So we're continuing the series we started just a few weeks ago on a way in a manger as we are working our way through the Advent season and preparing for Christmas. And so this series again will take us up to Christmas. We will finish this series on Christmas Eve. And again, we have two services on Christmas Eve, 4 and 5.30. So again, we'll have kids, kind of a regular services on Christmas Eve and that night. And again, again, take note of the holiday schedule in the bulletin and, and make sure you see that as well. Um, but as, as we look at that, I've extended this Christmas challenge to all of us. Um, and that, so we're several weeks into that. Again, that Christmas challenge, the first part of that was to be praying for somebody or a person or a family that, that God would open up doors to conversations with them, to, whether it's an invitation to church or just a spiritual conversation. And, uh, you know, during, especially during this Christmas season, people are more open to those conversations and those invitations. And so again, continue to pray for that person or for that family. Have those conversations. Invite them to come with you, um, especially on Christmas Eve. Um, and as we, as we look at the, the Christ candle on that day. Um, again, continue that. The other part of that challenge, the second part of that challenge, was to come to the Christmas story, especially if it's a familiar story to you, if you've been in church or walking with God for, for, for any time. And, and again, Christmas season is a very familiar story. It's one it's easy to kind of sit back and be like, I know what's coming. I know these scriptures, right? And, and so the challenge was to come to it with fresh eyes, with a fresh heart, and say, Lord, show me what I need to see this year, right? What I need to learn, what's going to move me forward in my faith to get closer uh, to, to Christ. And so as we're into this, like I said, we've been studying the Christmas story, looking at the different aspects, and, and today we're going to focus on the shepherds. And their, their role in this story. And, you know, one of the, the kind of unique things about the shepherds, you realize, is that outside of Mary and Joseph, they were the only ones that were there on that night, right, that actually saw Jesus in the manger. And in fact, you know, other aspects of it, and it was, the Christmas story actually spans actually about three years. I mean, the whole span of the Christmas story. And I think as we realized that, again, the shepherds were kind of a, a special place, and, and they got the, 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 the angelic, you know, proclamation, right, of, of, of God being born, and, and, and the peace that came with the presence of God on earth. In fact, that's, that was the main message of the angels, was that there is now peace on earth. And when you think about peace, it's you know, it's, it's, it's actually very ironic that we think about peace amidst the Christmas season because we know, again, just as we even look at our own, our own schedules and all the activities and things, that, that this is a busier time of life, right, than many other times of the year. There is chaos around us. If, I mean, have you been to the mall the last few days? Right, there, if you brave Walmart, you understand, right, there's all kinds of chaos in our world, <laughs> Right? And, and I think not just in the shopping and the parties and the, the gatherings and, and just kind of all of the festivities of, of the season. I mean, there's that chaos, but just in our world in general, right? As we live in a world of chaos in a lot of ways. And yet God promises us peace. Right? We even declare that peace as, as a part of the Christmas story. And, and we see that, again, it is a little bit ironic. And, and yet, in the midst of the chaos of life, we tr can tr truly experience the peace that only comes from God. Right? It's in those moments where you, you find yourself in God's presence. Even Maybe it's even just showing up in church and sitting down. And even especially amongst this busy time where you sit down and just, you feel God's, God's spirit and you just get a deep breath. And you feel that peace kind of overcome your heart and your mind and your soul. Right? And it's, a, it's a peace, again, that is described in Scripture that, that is, is in a lot of ways undescribable. In fact, the Scripture even says a peace beyond understanding. 
And as we think about that piece, and, and again, the, the proclamation that came to the shepherds, I want to look at their story. So if you have your Bible with you, um, open with me to Luke chapter 2. Here with us in person, their Bibles provided for you in the seats. If you don't have your own, you notice the page number there where you can find it in those Bibles. If you're with us online, we're, we're glad to have you as well. You can grab your Bible and follow along or just listen as I read it. But we're going to jump into the story in Luke, um, pick up at, at verse 4, right, where we see, uh, again, with Mary Joseph, that leads into the shepherds. So Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 4. It says, And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of, of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who is now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. And she gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodge of, or lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by the sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And when the angels have returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Now, as we read this, again, the picture of the Christmas story, right, the role of the shepherds, we, we realize, right, that, that in a lot of ways, um, their peace, right, that they had found, you think about in this moment, right, the evening, they got their, their flocks together, they, they were watching over them, protecting them, you know, the, the night, the calm of the night, the stars, and all of a sudden, their lives in that moment gets thrust into chaos. Right, it's because and, and there's the stillness of the night, the peace that comes with it, and then all of a sudden this angel shows up and there's this light and, and their world again suddenly gets thrown into chaos. As it says their reaction was they were terrified. Right? What is happening? And and yet the angel, the first thing he says is, Hey, don't be afraid, I bring good news. <laughs> Right, this is a good thing is why I'm coming and, and again suddenly the chaos of the moment, right, I'm sure it gets overwhelming, right, with joy. And again, the message of the angel, right, of all of the angels, as they all show up together in this huge, huge crowd of angels is saying, there is peace on earth, right, because God is here, right, that God is now on earth, he is alive on earth, and, and again, with God's presence comes peace. Right, with God's presence comes peace, because God is holy, right, God is perfect. He brings a peace that, again, is beyond understanding. 
In fact, if we look at the bigger picture of Scripture, not, not just the Christmas story, not just the Gospels, but when we look at the, the big picture of the Bible, the, the narrative that, it, that it, it shows us and teaches us, we realize that the Bible starts and ends with true peace. Okay, and true peace is no sin or death and in God's unhindered presence. In fact, Genesis 1 and 2, I mean, that's what we see, right? We see God's presence. We see his creative power. We see the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, right? In the garden with God in his unhindered presence. And there's no sin or death in the world, right? And that's true peace there. And yet then at the fall, right, sin enters the world. Sin and death enter the world. and, 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 And suddenly, you know, God's presence has to, to move away from Adam and Eve because he's holy. He can't be in the presence of sin. And, and so that relationship gets broken. And then we, at the very end of the Bible, where it ends, Revelation 21 and 22, is it ends with a new heaven and new earth after the second coming of Christ, after the white throne judgment. We see this picture of heaven, this description of heaven in, in Revelation 21 and 22. And it's a new heaven and new earth. And it, once again, right, sin and death are gone and we are in God's unhindered presence. And that is what true peace is. And we have these bookends of the Bible, right? They, they, they start and end with true peace. And yet, everything in between these, these two passages is about God getting us back to that place. Right? It's about God's story interacting with us as his creation and, and trying to restore, again, what true peace brings a peace that can only be found with God's presence. We see again in Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, these are verses we've already looked at, right? These are, are, are ones that we read a few weeks ago when we looked at Isaiah, but these, this is a prophecy again of the coming Christ child, of, of the core of God's plan to restore us to this place, right? And to bring true peace. We see in Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7, it says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And his government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Now, as we read this verse again, I read it to say is that this this passage, I mean, Isaiah, Jeremiah, all of these, these other Old Testament prophets, this was given in a time of complete chaos for Israel. Right? They, they were surrounded by chaos. They were in exile. They were being in the judgment of God. Their, their, their sinful action decisions as they pushed God away, where, where they were reaping the, the consequences of those decisions. And, and the world felt like Um, chaos to them, a lot probably like it does to us today. (laughs) Right, and in the midst of that, again, Isaiah Cam comes with this, again, message of hope, and notice right in the middle in this list of, uh, of titles, of descriptions of the Christ child, right, the last one that we see in the list is the Prince of Peace. And we see just a few, you know, words later, we, he, we see it come up again, right, his government and its peace will never end. As we look at this passage, the, this, this ray of hope in the midst of chaos to the Israelite people sent through Isaiah, um, the word that is used for peace here is the word shalom. Okay, it, it's a Hebrew word, 
And yet it's one of those words that we, we still hear a lot today. In fact, if you're ever you know, in, around a, a traditional Jewish family or culture, you will hear the word shalom. It's, it's used as a greeting, right? And, and also, you know, it's, the kind of, it's spoken to you as you part. But again, I went to the Holy Land a few years ago, and there, as you go around the Holy Land, and all of the, the, the tourist shops and like all these things, you see the word shalom like all over the place. It's like engraved in stuff, right? These signs you take for your house. I mean, it, you can even get the floor mat, right? To, for your, and, but the whole idea of this is, again, it's this greeting. When you come, you know, you're greeted with, with peace, and, and you're given this, this, you know, parting words of peace over you as you leave. And, and again, it's, it's designed, again, to communicate exactly what it says here, is it's a peace that can only come from God, and it's, it's designed as a blessing over you, right? And, and again, they, they use this word as a greeting, and yet it's one of those things as well, the more you use it, the more common it becomes, and sometimes we lose the, the meaning behind it, right? Or the depth of what this word describes, Right, this Hebrew word for peace um, is, is defined as an inward sense of completeness or wholeness. Right, it's something, again, by that definition, you could only find from God. Right, because we were created for a relationship with him. And yet, right, we don't find this peace because sin disrupts peace by distancing us from God. Right? We long for this peace in our heart. We long for it in our soul because we were created for it, for God's presence. And yet, because of our sin, because God is holy and he can't be in the presence of sin, right? our, our sin disrupts our peace by breaking that relationship we have with God. And, and it, it, just, it, it distances us from God. The more sin we have in our lives, the further from God we get, right? Because God, again, is holy and cannot be in that presence. And again, we are created for that relationship, which means that we have a hole inside of us that's, that cannot be filled. We try to fill it with so many things in this world, right? And the more we try to fill it with anything but God, the, the more empty we feel. Because it always takes us down the road of chaos. In fact, even scripture tells us, right, that the, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's exactly what all these other things do in our lives. It gives us the opposite of peace. Right? And yet, the presence of God, right? the, to be able to, to be with him, if we can receive Christ our Savior and have his presence and experience his Holy Spirit. And, and you know, the more we ex- experience God's presence, the more whole we feel. And it's because of the peace right, that we were created for. Later in Isaiah, in Isaiah 53, verses 5 and 6, it says, again, describing Christ, right, and, and why he came. He says, but that he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Right, that was the mission of the Messiah. The Christ child was given to us. That's why he's such an incredible gift, was because he was here to pay the price for our sin. Since he stepped in our place, right? He took the punishment so that we could be healed, so that we could be changed, so we could be transformed by God's presence and by his spirit. As we see, like, why do we need this? I mean, he describes this, right? He says, we have left God's paths to follow our own, right? God's will for all of us is to be in relationship with him. 
right, too. And, and yet, again, that hole that's left when we're distanced from God because of our sin, we try to fill it with so many things, and we go down all kinds of paths to try and find even just a sliver of peace, right, of fulfillment in this life. You know, we've all experienced that, right? We know that, and yet every decision comes with, with, um, with ramifications, right, with consequences, sometimes ones that we don't even realize or understand. And the more the sin in our life, again, it comes with and brings chaos that sometimes we don't even see. I tell you, I, um, several years ago, I was working with, um, with a man um, that, that had struggled with purity and sexual purity and pornography. And I was counseling with him, and we were meeting, and he would set up some boundaries in his life, and, and, and we'd working through this. And I remember kind of towards the end of, of our time together, as he, he had found freedom and, and healing in his life, and I remember asking him, I was like, now that you look back at this, like, like what's the most significant thing about this process or this healing that you found in your life? And, and I remember he, he told me, he said, you know, I, he's like, I knew that, you know, again, I was always worried about my, like, my wife feeling, finding out or the guilt that I carried all the time or kind of all these things. He's like, and now I knew about that. He's like, but now that I've shut that off in my life, I've found healing and moving out. He's like, I had no idea how, how much it was affecting so many other areas of my life. He's like, now I've found a peace, right, being distanced from that sin and, and, and pursuing Christ. And the more that I find that, he's like, I found a peace that I didn't even know I was missing. Right? There were all of these, these, these consequences of that sinful life and, and choices, right, that he didn't even know until he was out, starting to heal from it and get out of it. Right? And, and every chance we have, and we all have different sins and hangups, right? Different temptations. And the reality is there are consequences of your sin that you don't even realize is causing waves in your life. Right? And like I said, again, he started to feel a peace, right? Uh, within his marriage, within, you know, his family, within his job, within his other relationship, right? Even in church, even coming to church, he's like, it feels different. <laughs> right? When that weight is gone and, and I can find true peace. Right? As, his, as he was being healed and transformed by God's Spirit. And in fact, that was exactly the mission of the Messiah. It's why the Christ child came. The Christ child was the start of God's plan to restore true peace. Right? And we can find true peace in Christ. In fact, when you see, again, that's exactly what God wants for you. Right? He wants your heart and your mind and your soul to be at peace. But that can only be done with God's presence. And when we look at the, at the, the, the Christmas story, in fact, when we look in Luke, um, the birth of Jesus, right, and Mary, it's intertwined with, with the pregnancy and birth of John the Baptist. Right, Zechariah and, and Elizabeth, again, are, are, and John the Baptist is born six months before Jesus. And, and John the Baptist had a very specific role even for his life. And and in fact, we, uh, we already read in the Advent reading, they read this, this, a part of this passage. We're going to look in, in Luke chapter 1, verses 76 and 79. In context, this is Zechariah speaking over the life of John the Baptist okay, as he's born. And then the, the, the very next passage is literally the birth of Jesus. Okay, in Luke 1, verses 76 and 79, it says, And you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High, because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy 
and the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. Again, Zechariah is speaking over John the Baptist. He's prophesying these, these words, this, this life mission of him. He's saying, hey, your role, right, in God's plan is to pave the way for Christ, for the Messiah. Right? And this is what the Messiah is going to do, right? He's going he's to bring light into the darkness, right? He will guide us on the right path, right, on God's path. And that path leads to peace. Right? Because our peace is broken with our sin, but yet it's the mission of the Christ child, right, of God on earth to, to, to bring peace that we've lost because of our sin and because of our distance from God. Right? Notice, right? I mean, as we see in Isaiah, he says, no, we followed our own paths, right? And these paths lead to chaos and they lead to death. And yet the Christ child is going to lead us on a new path. Right, put us on a new path in life. And in fact, that's exactly what happens when you join the journey of faith, when you pray and receive Christ your Savior and receive the grace and mercy and forgiveness for your sins and you allow him into your life is that you join that journey of faith and you get to turn around instead of having your back to God, you get to turn around and go in a new direction, on a new path, a path that leads to Christ, that leads to holiness as you're transformed by his spirit. Right? And that is the path of peace. That's how we find shalom. Right? And as we, as we think about that and realize that, right, shalom, it's not just peace, it's, it's way more than that. Right? And that's what God wants for you, right? That time, literally, your soul to take a deep breath in God's presence. Right? As we think about, again, the chaos of life, even, even for the shepherds, right, the chaos of that night, again, as they were seeking peace in their own lives and, and, and pursuit of who God is. I, I want to take a few minutes as we watch this portrayal of one of the shepherds on that night and his pursuit of peace. When I was a kid, there was this one day I was troubled about something. I don't even remember what it was. My father noticed and um, he comes over to me and he places his hands on my head and he says, Shalom, son. Do you know what that means? Yes, I nodded. I said, I meant peace. Then my daddy, he, uh, he knelt beside me and he took my face in his big calloused shepherd's hands. He said, yes, peace, but more. And then he put a finger on my heart and he said, Shalom, God's highest and most complete good be upon you. That is my prayer for you, my son. He left his staff with me, and I've looked for it, what he mentioned. Shalom, all these years. When the angels came, there was no hint of wind, no clouds, just stars, so many stars. He showed himself to us <laughs> suddenly 
And there was an angel brighter than stars who spoke and said, do not be afraid. I have good news. Your savior has... Your savior has been born. And he lies in a manger. And then quiet, as if the whole world is waiting to breathe. A savior, God's highest and most greatest good for us, for me. And then suddenly, multitudes of angels shattered, shattered the silence, saying, glory, glory, glory. God is on earth. There's peace on earth. My father's prayers, I've seen Finally, shalom, peace. Shalom. Peace, but more. It is God's highest and most greatest good. It's peace beyond understanding. A peace that can only come from Christ. That is exactly what Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14 tells us. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. A peace that we can't find anywhere else, right? That's why nothing else fills that hole, right? Only Christ can bring us peace to our soul. Right? And, and as we think about that peace, right, again, the way we get that peace is through Christ, right? That's the only way to find that peace is to join the journey of faith, to believe that Christ is Lord, to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart and, and be saved right? and join the journey of faith. And then we start that new path, right? That path towards peace as God transforms our heart and mind and we learn more about who God is and who we are and and live our faith every day and and be transformed by his spirit as we let that peace enter our lives and and then work through us, right? And that's how, again, peace is is on earth is because peace lives through us, (laughs) right? As we share that love that we receive and and the peace that comes from God and and share that with others because every decision we make has consequences and ramifications that we don't even realize. Because, again, not only is that true with sin, but that's also true with your decision to follow Christ, right? Is it comes with all kinds of consequences and and ramifications that that we don't even get even until we're in it. That if we look deeper into this passage in Ephesians chapter 2 where this verse comes from, it it kind of describes some of those different 
ramifications of peace in our life. If we let God come in and get that peace, we see that, that there's all kinds of things that we gain in our life with this peace. If you have your Bible, you can flip with me to Ephesians chapter 2. I want to read verses um, 11 through 18. Ephesians 2, picking up at verse 11, it says, Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews, you, who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you didn't know the covenant promise that God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been unified with Christ, Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. When his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating, creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility towards each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him, and peace to the Jews who were near. And now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Right, as, we, as we read this passage, this description right, of, of the peace that God brings into our life, there are things that we, that we gain, that we learn from this peace, right, from the ramifications in our lives. The first thing that we learn about this true peace is in verse 11, as where we learn that it affects your heart. Okay, the peace goes straight to your heart. It's, it's not an outward thing, right? It's something that you can't even describe, but it's, it's this fulfillment, this peace, this deep breath that you find through Christ. Right, that amidst the chaos, right, even no matter how chaotic the world is around me, my heart can be at peace because of Christ. Right, and as we learn, right, even in this, this verse, it talks about how the Jews faked it. Right, how they, it was, the circumstances were about the outside of their life, but it didn't affect their heart. Because, and that's exactly why this true peace goes straight to your heart, because the outward appearance can be faked. Right? And we see, we see that in our world, right? We, that we fake this outward stuff, but yet, God, this peace goes to your heart because your heart will eventually leak its way out, right? If your heart is right, that's why God's word always goes to your heart, right? God cares way more about your heart than he does about your outward appearance because your, what is in your heart will eventually make its way out, Right? And peace goes, affects your heart. It goes straight to the core of who you are. And that can't be faked. The next thing we learn in verse 13, right, that true peace restores relationship with God. Right? That we are made right with him. Right? That our life, that's how we can experience that true faith. Right? That God's presence in our life that fulfill, fulfills that hole in our soul right? that is there because God is been distanced because of our sin. In fact, this, that's the whole point of our faith, is a relationship with God. Right? And we, that's how we find that true peace, right? And we can be restored, again, through the Christ child, through him dying on the cross, rising again on the third day, stepping in our place, right? and offering us grace and love and forgiveness, and all we have to do is accept it. 
And then that relationship with God gets restored. And then we start on that new path. Right? True peace goes straight to our heart. Right? It restores our relationship with God. And then as it starts to make its way out, that true peace also restores relationship with people. Right? If a relationship with God is right, then it starts to, to, to find right? and, and restoration in relationships around us right? and with other people as well. Because, because God's presence, again, unites Again, in the passage, right, it describes it between Jews and Gentiles, right, and the, the fact that there was this tension, right, and yet that, that we've all been made equal, right, in God's spirit, and we can all come together. And because the reality is there is incredible power in unity. Right, we are made one people group, right, God's people, and we can, we can accomplish incredible amounts for God's glory, right, in unity because of the peace he brings. And yet the enemy also knows, right, the power that comes in unity, which is why he attacks that, right? He attacks relationships in our lives, right, and brings chaos because there's incredible power that comes in unity, and unity comes with God's presence, right, and the peace that he brings. And the last thing that we learn in this passage in Ephesians 2, right, and one of these is that, is that true peace is available to everyone. Right? It is available to everyone. All we have to do is receive it from God. Right? Because the Christ trial already came. Right? He already lived that life. He, he, he took our, our place right, in punishment for sin. And, and he died on the cross and he rose again on the third day. He conquered sin and death in that way. And, and that's all already been done. And, and it is an open invitation for us to receive that grace, that love, that mercy, and that peace. And the question is in each of us, right, is are you experiencing God's peace in your life? Do you have that shalom blessing over you, right? Do you feel God's presence? Do you have that deep breath within your soul? If you don't, the first step to that is to receive Christ your Savior. If you never received Christ and opened your heart to him and invited him into your life, that's the first step. That's how you join the journey of faith. And if you have, right, then you make that same decision every day as you grow in your faith, as you live in your faith every single day, as you make that same decision every morning and say, Lord, today is for you. Bring me your spirit. Bring me your peace. So it'll affect your heart, your relationship with God, your relationship with other people, right? And then that, that love and that light, right, and that peace that we receive from God, we then pass on to everyone we come in contact with. Right? Because that is the heart of God, is to save the world and to shine that light of Christ everywhere that we go because we carry his spirit, we carry his peace into this chaotic world as his followers. Which brings me to my final thought this morning, and that is this. True peace can only be found in and through Christ. Have you found shalom in your faith journey? I hope that you have. And if you haven't, then ask the question, what is disrupting the peace in my life, Lord? Hey, because if you don't know what it is, God will tell you. God will shine a light on that. Maybe, again, maybe it's just you need to receive him as your Savior. Maybe it's a certain, you know, hang-up or sin or attitude or, or, or relationship, right, that God needs to restore. If, if, if peace has been disrupted in your life, seek the Lord because he is the source of true peace. I don't know where you're at in your faith journey today, but I do know that you need to move forward closer to Christ. Hey, whatever that next step is, I pray you will take it today. Lord God, that is our prayer today. Lord, that you would be magnified in our lives. 
God, that your peace would permeate our hearts and our minds and our souls. God, that we would take your presence, Lord, and your light and your peace into this world. God, as we're surrounded by chaos in so many different ways, God, we praise you for the peace that comes with your spirit. And God, we pray that you would use us, Lord, as we go this week, as we live our faith, God, that we will show this world what true peace can be. Lord, by the way that we love you and we live out our faith every day and we invite them to come along with us. Lord, we praise you and thank you for bringing shalom into our lives. And Lord, as we go this week, Lord, we leave, Lord, with shalom. In Jesus' name we pray.